again, a big warm welcome. My name is Dorothy Polarski. Um, some of you might know me from the Dynamic Women of Faith Conference. Others maybe uh, read my book, Motherhood Matters. And so why are we here today? Our ministry, catholicmomsgroup.com, three words, catholicmomsgroup.com. If you haven't visited the website yet, I ask you to do it. Um, our ministry uh, works in partnership with the Archdiocese of Toronto in helping parishes start Catholic Moms groups. And so we're on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. Um, some of you are here maybe for the first time, and maybe some of you are here for the 42nd time. Uh, we've been hosting these Midday Mom uh, virtual mother's group meetings for a year. We're going to be celebrating a year, I think, April the 25th or 6th. I have a note on my fridge, I forget. Um, and so it is the ministry's attempt to support our mother's group leaders uh, because many of them um, are unable to host uh, meetings because of the pandemic. And we're wanting to also support and encourage you, you know, during this remarkable time. And so for those of you that might not know uh, of our ministry, maybe this is your first time, I, I would like to share our very, very short um, ministry video. After the ministry video, I'll introduce uh, Anita a little bit more, and then she'll share her reflection. For those of you that have come out a hundred times, you might be thinking, where's the chat? I'm so used to the chat. I'll explain that a little bit later. Um, you can still say hello to us in the Q&A. So, you know, even if you want to say hi, Dorothy, in the Q&A, just click the Q&A and say hello. We're here for you. We love you. And uh, we hope you enjoy this ministry video. Mothers, by our very nature, we are nurturing, loving caregivers. We are social beings made for friendship and community. We are also spiritual by nature, made by a loving God to know him and love him, and to pass this love of our Catholic faith on to our children. But right now, many mothers feel overextended, distracted, and exhausted. Though as Catholics, we have the community of our church, many mothers attending mass could not name the mom sitting next to them in the pew they share. Community and support among Catholic mothers is desperately needed in this hectic and chaotic culture. Your parish needs you to bring these moms together. Hi, my name is Dorothy Polarski. I'm the founder of Catholic Moms Group. We at Catholic Moms Group are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. We exist to bring together like-minded, faith-filled mothers who crave community and are focused on spiritual growth, Catholic teaching, and fellowship. Can you imagine a thriving, engaged mothers group at your parish? 
a group of moms in love with their Catholic faith, ready to serve other mothers no matter what stage of motherhood they're at. Can you imagine what a difference that would make at your parish? Starting a mother's group, it's not rocket science, but working with a team who's done it before and who's done it dozens and dozens of times sure does help. The Catholic Moms Group membership site is an online community that offers training, resources, and dozens of tools for parishes to help them start a mother's group quickly and efficiently. We're here to provide you with a clear path to launching a Catholic Moms Group at your parish. All of our materials are 100% Catholic. We have clearly laid out meetup plans for both moms groups and toddler groups. We are obedient to the magisterium of the Catholic Church. We have created dozens of tools that are going to save you time and energy. And besides that, we love our Blessed Mother. We constantly turn to her for her intercession. You can make a huge impact in your parish, so join us. We are revolutionizing the way parishes start mother's groups by providing parishes with a Catholic mother's group starter kit and by nourishing and training a community of Catholic mother's group leaders across the world. It's time to start a mother's group at your parish. Join us today. play or something. Uh, anyway, thank you all for uh, joining us today. And I, I've got to tell you a little short story before I uh, introduce Anita. Yesterday, I was talking to a mom in the North Pole and uh, gave her a tour of the back end of our membership website. And she was completely blown away. And she said, you know, you don't know how blessed you are in, um, you know, Toronto to have all of these women to have all of these tools. And there's no way that our um, diocese could create something like that. And so your materials are going to be ministering to moms in the North Pole. And we were both like laughing and crying and just thinking about the Holy Spirit and what our Blessed Mother is doing. So if you're interested in starting a mother's group, make sure you contact me, okay? Um, in the meantime, it is my great privilege and honor to introduce Anita Healy. Um, Anita is a mother of seven children. She is a graduate of the Franciscan University of uh, Steubenville in Ohio. She um, is, you know, my son's godmother and she's my cousin's daughter. So I, I love her to pieces for 101 different reasons. And uh, you're going to love this talk. Um, and uh, take it away, Anita. Thank you, Dorothy, and thank you for having me on Midday Moms again. I feel very privileged to be here um, and a little nervous. I will say I, I have given many talks in my life. I've actually given this particular talk a couple of times, um, but the prospect of speaking to a screen and not a room full of people has made me pretty nervous. So um, please bear with me and uh, I will get through this beautiful material with you this afternoon. 
Um, so thanks for the introduction, Dorothy. So yes, as she said, I'm a mom of seven and uh, it's a lot of fun. It's pretty crazy. It's busy. Uh, my oldest is 19, just finishing her, or sorry, a couple weeks from 19, finishing her uh, first year at university. Uh, and I have all the kids ages between that uh, 18 year old and my youngest is four. So uh, this year we actually decided to homeschool our kids in the midst of COVID. But prior to that, everybody was in school. Um, except for my youngest, who will start school for the first time this fall, which means I am just at the cusp of a new chapter in my life, which is um, being home without any children uh, to teach or to take care of all day long. So we'll see what that looks like. Um, but what brings me here today is um, my love for uh, the church's teachings. I do have a degree in theology, um, as Dorothy mentioned. I studied in Franciscan University and had such um, an absolute privilege and honor to be taught by people like Dr. Scott Hahn and Dr. Regis Martin and Miravalli and all these beautiful, awesome, wonderful professors. Um, but it was there that I really um, was exposed to uh, the beauty of femininity in the church's teaching on woman. Um, and so what I'm hoping today is to be able to share that with you, because I think you can all agree that in this day and age, um, femininity is not uh, portrayed or displayed or lived out in all ways um, the way that God intended. Um, so let's look at that today together and uh, we'll, see, we'll see where God takes us on this, on this journey today. So who here, now of course I would normally say by a show of hands, but as a child, you know, had that desire to be a mother. Do you remember that as a, as a kid, you grew up and you were playing with dolls. And um, I, I remember my sisters and I, we would babysit kids and, and Maya and I would fight over who gets to hold the baby or who gets to change the diaper. Like there was this real instinctual desire to, um, to be with children and to mother the children and to love on them. Um, of course, we had our dolls and we played with them and um, it was a lot of a, a lot of fun and it was very natural. And I see that now even with my own children. Um, you know, like I said, I've got five daughters. So of the seven, five of them are girls. And um, it's so it's so beautiful to see how natural it is for them to um, mother each other. And my poor youngest son has not only a mother, but he has five uh, sisters who act like mothers to him. So um, it's, it's something truly intrinsic um, into the heart and the, uh, the way that we were all created uh, as, as women. What is that call to motherhood? What is that, that, we're, that what I'm talking about today? It's, it's a primal ache. It's, a, it's something that comes from the depth of our heart, from the depth of our soul, um, it's not something we think of. It's not something we necessarily teach our young girls. Um, it is something written in the heart of, of a woman um, to, to have that desire to be with children and to love on them. Now, if you are a mom and you've had the joy and the privilege and the honor um, to, to witness uh, a child being born into the world, uh, it, even if it wasn't your own, um, I want you just to close your eyes for a minute and see if you can recall that moment, um, what that was like, the birth of a child. And if it was your own child, that moment of holding your newborn for the first time and smelling their beautiful skin and looking into their eyes and realizing that you would 
absolutely do anything for this person, right? That feeling of, of pure love. There is nothing. I mean, I don't think there's words for it, but if you've lived it, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I remember each of my child's birth, obviously I was there for all of them. And in particular, uh, I was looking at pictures just the other day and I saw the one where I was holding my youngest son and I had had a C-section for the last three kids. Um, and I'm laying on the operating table um, and I asked them to untie my arms so that I could touch my baby. And just as they put him to my face, he'd been crying and screaming because of course that's what they do when they're being yanked out of their, of their comfortable womb um, and scrubbed off in towels before they hand them to me. And they put Dominic right here against my face. And the, the moment he touched my face, he stopped crying and his little fingers were on my lips. And there's a picture of it on my phone now. And there's just a tear coming out of my eye because that moment where the two of us were skin to skin, face to face for the first time is, it's heaven. I don't know what else to call it. It's absolute heaven. It's beautiful. There were a lot of emotions um, in that moment. Again, not just, not just love, not just gratitude, um, but fear maybe. Um, and not fear in a negative way, but just um, that feeling of vulnerability. Now, now this person who was inside of me that I could protect and, and, and nurture with my own body was now outside of me. And that meant that anything could come to this child, whether it was illness or danger of some kind, physical danger, that no longer was I able to shelter this baby in that same way. And I realized that I had this overwhelming aching love and determination and fierceness to protect this child for all of his life for all of her life and that that gift that that natural that natural desire that i'm describing is innate it's there it's god given and now I understand that with hormones, there's, there's a lot of fluctuating hormones. And I know a lot of moms have said, I didn't feel anything, you know, when I saw my baby or I, I had a hard time connecting. And I understand that. And I'm not saying that you're broken if that was, if that was your story, but I'm not talking about the ebbs and flow because when everything kind of did settle in and you became um, sort of more calming the hormones and then that, in that um, time of healing, there absolutely was that moment where you looked your baby in the eye and you said, I'm your mom. I'm your mummy and I'm going to love you and I will do anything for you. Um, for some of us that was, you know, in that moment and for others it came in the days and hours and weeks after the child was born, but that's no less important. The point is that that fierce determination you have to protect, to love um, and to raise that child in God is truly God given. These are all natural and they are all written into the fabric of what it means to be a woman. And so if you recognize that now, if it was written into who we are as women, it actually doesn't matter whether you become an actual biological mother or not. And you might say to yourself, well, then why is it there? Why, why does God give us that desire to mother, to nurture, to love, if not all women become mothers? Well, stay tuned because that's what the talk is about today. All right. All women were created for motherhood. And that's the point. We were all created for motherhood. But does that mean only biological motherhood? Let's look at biological motherhood. 
What does it mean then to be a mother? What does it mean to be a mother? Or simply put, what does it mean to be a woman? Pope John Paul, the great saint, Pope John Paul II says um, in a general audience in 1980, he said, the mystery of femininity is manifested and revealed completely by means of motherhood. The mystery of femininity, what it means to be a woman, is manifested and revealed completely by means of motherhood. Let's look at how God created woman, and that will help us to understand what that means, what our Holy Father was saying. Consider how God created woman. Our bodies mirror the spiritual reality of who we are. So let's look at how our bodies created, and then we'll understand more about who we are on the inside. Let's look first at man. If you remember in the story of Genesis and the creation story, God took some dust and out of dust, he made man. He breathed life into man. And what he did with man was he said, you, you take all of this creation that I have made for you and I want you to put it in order. I want you to name it. I want you to have dominion over it. You are in charge. And that was the first task given to man that he was now going to bring order to creation, order to life. What did he do with women? How did he create women? Well, he used the rib of a man. Now, in my opinion, and also in the church's opinion, a rib is a much higher ingredient than dust, isn't it? Because it comes from the flesh of an actual human being that God had already created. And so ladies, we were created with the higher ingredient. And that's not to say that we are therefore loved more by God or that we are better or we are no longer equal. No, we are absolutely uh, precious and beautiful. And of course, we're equal to, to man in, in God, in dignity and goodness. But don't forget that we are created by this beautiful higher ingredient, which is humanity. And so God took this higher substance and he used it to create woman. And then he tasked woman with ordering life to love. So Adam had given the task of ordering life, uh, bringing order to life, I should say, by naming it, by giving it dominion, and, or by giving it classification and having dominion over it. But then woman was tasked with bringing all that life and ordering it to love. How did she do that? Well, essentially, she br breathes love into it. She breathes love into life. She animates it. The word animate means to give life, to give a soul to something, right? So left at, left at the point that Adam had sort of just organized all of it, we just have a series of classifications. We have a world with order and design. But when woman came on the scene, it was now imbued with beauty and goodness, but love, right? So that is God himself. And it was given that that task was given to woman that she would then take this beautiful creation that God had made and bring it to life through love. 
we see how women does woman does that actually in the home as well, that we are the heart of the home, right? And so if Eve is the heart of creation, and as the first woman, we are the heart of the home in our in our families. Therefore, if we look at just the way God created man and how he created woman, you know, dust and rib of a man, just looking at that, we can see how woman truly is God's pinnacle, his masterpiece of creation, the height of creation, because her purpose, her purpose here is to order life to love. God created us, us women, as vessels. If you, again, look at creation and look at our bodies, we are empty. We are open. Our, our reproductive system is about an openness. It's kind of like imagining a, a nest, right? Uh, open and waiting for life to come. Our entire reproductive system lies hidden within our bodies, where a man's is completely on the outside of his body. When a girl is created in her mother's womb, she has all the eggs she'll ever need in her life. All the eggs, that she, more than she'll ever need, I should say, right? And those are hidden, tucked away in that womb again, where a man, his seed and his ability to produce new life is held on the outside of his body. Now, you might be thinking, why are we having a biology session here? And you didn't realize we would be talking about reproductive systems. But the reason I bring this up is because God doesn't do anything by mistake. There is absolutely purpose and, and order to everything that God has created. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this part here, that God created our bodies, male and female, and that they were not created just kind of like, oh, you know, I'm going to switch things up, put a, you know, some breasts on this one and maybe make her look a little bit different. No, no, he didn't switch things up. That wasn't the point. It was very, very, very specific and very important exactly how he was going to make us different, right? So looking at those differences and realizing that everything that makes a woman biologically is, is hidden on the inside and that everything that makes a man biologically male is outside, that gives us a hint about how God made us to be interiorly, um, mentally, psychologically, spiritually. What are those differences? And are they important? Why is it important if it's important? What's the big deal? Why does it matter that we're male and female? Why does it matter that we're different? Because everybody here in this current culture wants us to just be the same. We're gonna neutralize and we're going to nullify anything that makes us different so that we're all on the same playing field. Well, that doesn't work because that's not how God made it, right? And whenever we go against God's plan for world, the world, for creation, for humanity, it doesn't work. And we see that in a lot of different ways in our, in our culture today, in broken marriages, in broken relationships, um, in, in real, a, a severe identity crisis for a lot of people. Who am I? Why am I here? What is the point of this? And we see a lot of young people struggling with their sexuality. Who am I? Am I, am I a man? Am I a woman? Why did God do this to me? Why do I feel like a man, but I have a woman's body and vice versa? All of these things can be answered in the beauty of God's creation. 
And it's not meant to be stifling for us. It's not meant to be restrictive or punitive. It's, it's beauty, it's truth, and it's goodness. So let's look at that again a little bit closer. What are those differences? So as we have our physical differences that are shown in our biology, what are they meant to be mirroring? Because that's how God works. If you've noticed, just a side note, if you've noticed here in our creation, God didn't just make us all angels. We're not just spirits flying around uh, in, a, in, a, in a wasteland of, of fluffiness, right? We are human. We have bodies. We live on an earth that we can touch, that we can feel, that we can smell. God values matter. He created it. It's good. So if we were created to have bodies, that means that our bodies mean something, right? They're not just kind of like uh, a vessel that he can pop a soul into that can walk through this earth. Otherwise, what was the point of even making the earth? Why didn't he just kind of keep us all in heaven and forget the bodies altogether? Because as we know, <laughs> these bodies get us into trouble sometimes, right? Of course, that was because of original sin. It wasn't God's plan either. So understanding the, the value and the importance of the human body, really not just understanding it, but valuing it and uh, learning about God's plan will help you and all of us grow in our understanding and our appreciation for his purpose for us here as women, right? What, what is my goal here? What, what is it that God wants of me as a woman on this earth? because I'm not a man, I am a woman. And therefore there is something very good and there's something very crucial because God doesn't just randomly do things just for the heck of it. There's a point, there's a purpose. And you know that if it's God that created it, that it's perfect and that it's beautiful. So let's, let's look at what makes a woman feminine. What is femininity? Because we're not talking about biology at this point, right? We know that biology, biologically, a woman has breasts and ovaries and, and all the different parts of a woman that a man doesn't have. But I'm not talking about that anymore. Now let's look at who she is um, in terms of her, her mental and psychological and spiritual characteristics. To do that, we're going to look at an apostolic letter written by our excellent Pope St. John Paul II again, and in this apostolic letter is called Mulieris Dignitatem, which is the Latin name for on the vocation and dignity of woman. So in there, he talks about what characteristics a woman has in order to breathe love into the world. And so God would have had to have given us some characteristics that would set us apart, that would enable us to do what Eve did, which was bring love into the world. And those characteristics he calls, when he puts them all together, he calls it the feminine genius. The feminine genius. Now, before I go to list those, those characteristics, I want to ask you this. Where in this world, in this secular culture, do you ever hear the two words feminine and genius together? We don't hear it, right? Why is that? Is it threatening? Does it threaten the feminist movement? Does it threaten male dominance? Does it threaten us as women feeling like, oh, well now all of a sudden, what, is it, what does that demand? What does that mean of me? No, there is a genius to the way God made the feminine heart. 
we already know that because we're the ladies and we're sitting here together. I doubt there's any men in the group today. So we can all agree amongst us with our coffees in hand that we know we're geniuses, but let's look at why and how God made it so. So there are four characteristics that are um, under that title of feminine genius. There's sensitivity, receptivity, generosity, and maternity. Again, there's sensitivity, receptivity, generosity, and maternity. Does that mean that men can't be any of those things because he called it the feminine genius? No, that is not what I'm saying. We have this way of thinking, and I think even more so today in this culture, this climate, to make everything an either or. And we're never, not say never, but today it's just always this, this dichotomy. You're either completely for this, and if you're completely for this, that means you're completely against this. Listen, if you're Catholic, we adopt a both end mentality because God is bigger than just this or this, right? God encapsulates. He is justice, but he's also mercy, right? And if that's who God is, then certainly we can understand that in his creation, there's going to be things that apply in different ways. So please, before we even continue, don't feel that whatever I say about femininity or woman somehow is exclusive um, by meaning, okay, that no, there's no man that's no, there's no man that's ever sensitive, receptive, generous, or maternal. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. But that we encapsulate, and we all have characteristics that can be taken from masculinity and femininity. I'm sure you've met women who have more masculine traits. That doesn't make her a man, right? And there are men we know who have more feminine traits, and that does not make him a woman. Okay, so these traits that we're talking about are more about what was God's plan for, for women? And if he gave us these particular traits, and even if some of us maybe display one more than the other or, or not as much, that's okay too. Don't get caught up in, in, in this perfect uh, idea of these traits, but understanding that that is how our Holy Father describes us as women, that's pretty sweet, that's beautiful. So sensitivity, we know what that means, right? And by sensitivity, I'm not talking about emotionality. That's not the same thing. To be an emotional person, yeah, you might be very emotional and, and be able to show happiness and anger and sadness. And there are other people who don't show it as well. That's not the same thing as sensitivity. Sensitivity is being able to um, intuit um, what's happening in a room. A lot of men uh, can walk into a room uh, full of other people and, um, you know, maybe their friend is sitting right off to the side and, and it a lot of guys that'll go right over their heads that maybe their friend of them, the friend of theirs sitting there is not doing well or something's wrong. Um, and it doesn't mean that the man is an idiot for not noticing it. It just means that not men don't have that same kind of ability to sense what is happening around them, sense the feelings uh, of the person that they're talking to. Um, that requires intuition, that requires um, sensitivity and the word sensitivity comes from sense we just have us we, we use our senses to know what's happening we can tell what needs to be said or not said um, that is a gift that we have as women that makes us feminine receptivity what a beautiful word and where do we where do we even hear about that now what does it mean to be receptive well the way our bodies were made again we we need to be open to receive life in order to get pregnant. We, well, we can't get pregnant alone, we know that. But secondly, 
our part in getting pregnant and having new life is receptive. We open our hearts, we open our bodies. And to be frank, we open our legs. Like you have to open, you can't be closed. You can't be cornered in, right? You truly have to have that, that openness um, to receive life. So that's the physical openness, but open to people. Um, you know, that gift of, of hospitality even comes from being receptive. It's, it's being willing to receive people into your home, receive people into intimate conversation with you. Um, I, I know I'm a very uh, open person when it comes to conversation. So if, if I'm comfortable with somebody, even after one or two meetings, I'm an open book. And um, I think that's a common trait among women. Now, of course, again, not across the board. But very few men that I know, and I can speak for my husband in, in, in our relationship, um, when it comes to receptivity, um, there's, at least for me, a desire to just like open my heart, my mind and my ears to everything he wants to say, right? What's on your heart? Tell me everything. Uh, with my own kids, you know, I can, I can see one of them and I can go, you know, something's on her mind. Well, I'll take a few minutes after everyone's gone and I'm going to zero in on her and say, how are you doing? What's going on? Talk to me about your friends. How are you feeling? And as soon as I display that openness, that receptivity to my child, what happens? <sighs> they take a deep breath and sometimes there's tears and then they open up back to me. Um, that gift is something that I think is very specific to women. Um, and my husband even himself will look at me and say, well, how did you know something was going on there? How did you know she, you needed to talk to her? Why did you even ask that something was wrong? And I'm thinking, how did you not notice? <laughs> it's very different, right? And he's a great dad and he's very present, but he just doesn't see the same things. So generosity, our third characteristic. Well, we know what generosity is, but I don't know. I think in this day and age, we could use a little schooling on generosity again. Um, but it is a trait of femininity that, that I could see uh, as being, um, again, let's look at biologically being pregnant. I mean, there's nothing selfish about pregnancy at all, at all. Because as soon as you become open to life and you're receptive to new life, everything inside of you, every part of your body becomes, a part of, uh, uh, becomes um, about that new life. It's about the baby. I remember, saying to somebody after one of my first couple of pregnancies, how are you feeling? You know, are you sore? Is your this or that? Do you have, you know, morning sickness? And I'd say like, everything hurts. There's not one part of me that doesn't hurt right now in one way or the other. Um, wasn't complaining. It was just a reality. It's like, okay, I got a headache. Oh, my back is sore. My feet are sore. My hands are swollen. My face is swollen. My teeth are bleeding. Like everything goes when you're pregnant. It's yeah, exactly. And sometimes Oh, we have, again, not all pregnancies are the same, but just that idea that as a woman to say yes to new life is literally about being generous. You are being generous to God. You're being generous with your spouse, with your family. And you're saying, Lord, I lay my body down. This isn't my body anymore. I'm laying it down for this new life. Right. And of course, we know through the birthing experience, um, whether it's a vaginal birth or a C-section or anything in between any kind of, of labor, it's all about the child. It's not about us anymore, is it? Right? So that's, that's generosity. That's generosity. Being able to get up in the middle of the night for the umpteenth time because someone's had a bad dream or somebody barfed in their bed again or peed in their bed again. I mean, there's anything that we're dealing with on a daily basis. 
um, I was talking to another mom today and she might even be signed on if she is. And she said, my kids are constantly demanding of me, constantly demanding. And there's never a break. And I just don't know if I'm doing the right thing because I'm not teaching them how to help themselves and do things for themselves. And I said, kids are suckers, kids are takers. That's what they do, right? And as moms, like, well, of course we have to teach boundaries and, and train them how, but that gift of generosity, I mean, I don't think there's another person out there that loves your child as much as you do. There's no way anybody would deal with the antics and the late nights and the constant demands um, that they make of us, but we do it because we love them, right? And we do it because God has written into our hearts that generous love. Um, I remember many times being up in the middle of the night with a crying baby um, nursing and then and then just as you're about to put them down, they they wake up or they they fill their diaper just as you're about to put them down. And every, you know, two, three, four times you're trying to put them down. And finally, I said, you know what? It is a good thing I love you because otherwise <laughs> I'd be losing my mind right now. Right. So that's generosity. And finally, that fourth characteristic that our Holy Father talked about was maternity. Maternity, what does that mean? Well, we're gonna get more into that because all of it, all of what I just talked about is about the maternal heart, right? So this talk today was entitled God's Masterpiece, The Mothering Heart. And then Dorothy said, well, you know, who's this talk for? Is it, I said, oh no, no, this not talk, talk is not just for moms. This talk is for all women. Well, how, how, how is that, you know, because not all women are moms. Does that mean that the women who aren't moms, therefore, aren't feminine or aren't living out God's plan for their lives? No, that is not what I'm saying at all. How does this translate to motherhood? How do these four characteristics translate to motherhood? Well, I've, I've talked a little bit about some of them. We know biologically um, it translates to motherhood through our open, hollow, empty womb. Um, we know that even, even the breasts of a woman are created to sustain life. If, if a mom is able and chooses to, that you can sustain an entire life on your breast, which is incredible. Um, and that even God made it so that the breast milk is created literally for that specific child, for that child's specific age. Um, if that child is, is fighting a virus, your body will produce antibodies to help the child fight the virus. Like it's a quite an amazing science, quite an amazing gift. Um, but that again, biologically that we were made to be mothers. Um, even the hormones that are released in our body um, when we are, when we child, when we uh, birth our child, there's a hormone that's released that helps us to bind to our child, to helps us to connect and to love them. Every time you breastfeed, you get that same um, hormone. Um, the baby's eyesight and, and mom, like when you're nursing a baby, that's as far as the baby can see. So all of these things just blow my mind when I think of just how coordinated God is with creating us um, biologically to be moms. But emotionally as well, um, how that translates to motherhood, that through the gifts of empathy, uh, sensitivity, softness, uh, understanding, intuitiveness. What a beautiful characteristics to have that emotionally we can give those gifts to our, our family, um, to our children, to our spouses, and to the whole world. Spiritually, how are we spiritual mothers? Through our ability to nurture, to soothe, to protect, to defend, to sacrifice, uh, to serve, and to be compassionate. Um, that makes me think here for a moment. Uh, my second daughter is working as a home aid at a, a long-term care facility right now. And my firstborn will be working there in just a few weeks as a PSW. And 
I just want to cry when they come home from when she comes home from work and tells me about um, some of the residents there, you know, old 85, 90 year old ladies who are, um, you know, feeling isolated or sad and having moments of distress and that Claire knows to sit with them and just talk. Um, where she said, you know, one of the ladies likes to play a piano, so she'll wheel her over to the piano and they'll play a little song together and Claire will sing or, you know, ask her about her family. And I think those are all gifts of femininity. That's Claire's feminine genius coming out. Um, nobody trained her at work that when you see a sad person, you um, talk to them or take them to play the piano or take them for a walk. Those are not part of her training. That's an that's a innate instinctual desire to nurture and to soothe another person what a gift that is to the world right that what a gift that she has what a gift that we as women have that we can bring uh, that nurturing heart to another human being right physically um, as women how are we bringing this to the world is by making other things beautiful. Uh, we've talked about this uh, here on Dorothy's uh, Midday Moms a few times. Making things beautiful is a feminine characteristic. It's part of being uh, a mother and a woman in this world. Um, by maintaining and cleaning and keeping orderly an orderly home, or at least trying to, you know, to strive for order, to strive for beauty. Um, those are all ways that we that we show um, that feminine heart to, to the people around us uh, by feeding our family wholesome food. Um, those are, yeah, hospitality, openness, that's kind of all goes together. So those are all attributes. And, and these are all, again, interchangeably, woman, mother, whether you're biologically a mother or not, we never cease to be mother. Women never cease to be mother. I'm not talking about biologically, I'm talking about being a woman. If you are a woman, you are a mother. That is how God made you. And so like the example of Claire mothering an older woman in a resident, a residence who is sad and lonely and isolated, right? Or somebody um, helping a child. I mean, I've seen it, but times before I'm outside and, and a, another kid, not my kid, someone falls off their bike. I mean, what's the first thing you do? I've never seen a mom walk by or not forget a mom. I've never seen a woman walk by a crying child without saying, are you okay? <laughs> right? It's just, it's built into us. It's, it's part of, it's part of our makeup. What does the world tell us about this? What does the world tell us about motherhood? Does society value mothers? Does society value the important role we have in this world? And if it doesn't, how doesn't it? Well, in my estimation, society looks down on motherhood. It tells us that motherhood gets in the way of more important things like being slim or sexy or getting ahead in your career. Um, it looks down on that, right? Society tells us it's not as important as being in the workforce, right? We've been told so much that women are equal to men, right? We've been told that we, we have to be equal and in they're mistaking equal, right? But they're saying, the world says, in order that we have to be equal to men, therefore we need to become men in society um, without any differences, right? Nope, there's no difference between men and women. The only way to get ahead is to be a man. What is wrong with that message? Right? In light of this, the discussion we just had about how God created us, what is wrong with us taking in that message, absorbing it and saying, yeah, you're right. 
you know, society, if I want to get ahead in this world, I'm going to have to just be a man. So I'm going to neutralize everything inside of me that's feminine. What, it, what happens? What happens to the woman? You're broken. It's sad. Right? And I'm not saying that we are choosing that on purpose. I'm not blaming anybody, any of us. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with all of you. We are women and we are being assaulted. We are being attacked from every angle to be perfect, to be, oh my goodness, skinny and not just skinny, but sexy and seductive and don't have gray hairs and don't have wrinkles and don't have any cellulite, my goodness. Uh, and if you're going to do that, you know, don't, don't also um, forget that you need to have the, the nicest house, the biggest house, the blah, 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 right? And by the way, you also need to be the president of your company. Well, that's not realistic. It's not realistic. And it's, it's destructive. Because it's chipping away at who we are, right? Society tells us that everyone else can do it better than us. How many books in the library, how many books on Amazon can you find on parenting or mothering or this or that or anything to do, how to teach your children? Um, everybody else is the expert and they've taken the power and the confidence away from us as mothers. And they're saying, you can't do it. So you need to read that book or talk to Dr. Phil or do this, that, and the other thing. And they've completely stripped us, neutralized us and nullified our beautiful genius right? And like, I want you to be angry about it. I want you to take back your power as a woman and say, I am a mother. I am a woman, right? I can teach my children. I'm capable. And because I was given that task and I was given the gifts to live out that task, I am sure as heck going to be the one to do it, right? So I'm tired of society telling us, we can't be who we are. No, I'm sorry, I am a woman. And with that comes this long list of beautiful characteristics, which gives me power and authority in the ways that God has asked me to move forward in this world. Um, whether that is as a biological mother or not, right? That's all of us, all of us women. Society tells us to resent motherhood. Resent the sacrifices that you're having to make. You should be resentful that you were up all night. You should be resentful that you had to make lunches again for, you know, every day, right? You should be putting yourself first. Go, go take, you know, go have your manicures and your pedicure. And listen, I get manicures and pedicures too. So I'm not knocking them, but society is telling us that that is what will make us happy. That anything to do with being home, washing floors, wiping butts, butts or any of that is just worthless. And it's getting in the way of what's really important. And they're making us resentful, right? How are we being pulled then? If you look at all that, and now you're probably all riled up like I am, how are we being pulled? Well, first of all, in every direction, if you want to be a stay-at-home mom and you're able to, the world is telling you, why are you doing that? You're wasting your education. Oh, that's so unfortunate that you're just going to be a stay-at-home mom right? Oh, wasting all your days, just wiping bums and cleaning floors and doing laundry. What a shame. You should really be using your gifts somewhere else, right? And then if you're a mom who's saying, I, I have a career, I've got something valuable to offer the world, I need to work, then the world is telling you, ah, oh, 
why would you even bother having children? What a waste. I mean, you need to spend your time here at the office. You need to devote all your time to climbing the ladder in your position. Um, and they're making those women who need to work and want to work feel like they're not allowed to work or sorry, that they're not allowed to have children. And if they are going to have children, well, you better be back here in three months or less because your job will be gone. How is that acknowledging the genius of woman? Right? We're so torn. And not only that, the society is tearing us in every direction. Doesn't matter which way you choose, you're going to be wrong. Well, then even within the population of women, we're at each other. Oh, why are you working? You should be home. Or why are you home? You should be working. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't get it right. And I'm never going to be right. Let's forget about what the world says. Let's forget about what the world is saying. It's nonsense. We already know that. Let's forget about what everyone else is saying. Let's turn our hearts to God and say, what do you want? How did you make me? What do you want me to do? What do you want my family to look like? Well, maybe that means staying home. Maybe that means going to work. Maybe that means having another child. I don't know. You know, God knows, right? I'm just tired of the world taking so much noise, taking so much time and making so much noise in my head and in the head of all the women of this world right now. Like, come on, we are beautiful. We are good. We have so much to offer, right? And where are we ever going to hear this message? Where, where have you heard this message that I'm sharing with you today? Was it in the People magazine or Cosmo when you were getting your hair done? Not likely, right? It's on an Oprah. She's not telling you that you're a genius, right? That you have gifts to offer this world, right? Where are we hearing the message that holding your baby, nursing your baby, staying home, cleaning your home, uh, planning and preparing meals, where are we hearing that these things are good and worthy and important work? Where are you hearing this? This is not the message that we're getting. And our daughters are not getting that message either. Our culture is not set up to support mothering, right? The cost of living is so high. Many families are being forced uh, to have two incomes. Uh, employers are not making it easy on working moms to take the time to have children and to raise them, right? And what are the effects of this culture's view now? So if this is the world that we're living in and it's only getting worse, what is the effect? What, what, what's the effect it's gonna have on our souls? on our families and on our children. Well, I think we know the, the impact of this is huge. Women are having fewer children, so we know that. We know that 100 years ago, uh, seven kids or eight kids or nine kids was a norm. And nowadays, uh, when I tell someone I have seven kids, it's like, I'm a crazy person, <laughs> right? So it's just not the norm, you know? And there's a lot of reasons why it's not the norm. I, I know a lot of people would like to have big families, but there's a lot of things that are getting in the way, um, right? A lot of limitations. A hundred years ago, the, the pull on family was nothing like it is today. You know, extracurricular and costs for hockey equipment or, you know, expectation to be doing this, that, or the other thing in family life. Um, the impact is massive and it's only going to get worse. Um, it's devastating. It's dehumanizing. And never before, I don't think, have mothers ever felt as torn as they do today. This culture, ladies, it's chipping away at God's very design of woman. This culture is chipping away at God's design. It's neutralizing our femininity. It's, it's taking away our inclination, our desire to nurture and to mother because it's telling us that that's not important and that's actually not wanted. 
and it's telling us we must be like man in order to feel valued and respected in this world. So now what? I'm not going to leave you hanging there because that would be very sad if I ended on that note. What now? Ladies, the good news. God wants to reclaim motherhood and authentic femininity. God wants us, me and you, to mother this world. You have to stand up, acknowledge the gifts that God has given you as a woman, and start to mother the world. That doesn't just mean the kids in your house. It means the person next door. It means the grocery clerk. It means the priest at mass, the person sitting beside you at church, the co-worker at work. We have to be women again. We have to embrace the characteristics of that femininity, that beautiful feminine genius that God created us with. When we acknowledge those characteristics, when we embrace them and we bring them to others, we will literally transform this world. And I'm not making this stuff up. This is coming straight from the mouth of our Holy Mother Church that values and loves women. Side note, how many times have you heard the people say, the Catholic Church doesn't like women? Come on, that is nonsense. The Catholic Church loves and values women because the Catholic Church recognizes this beautiful creation of God, which is woman, and that the gifts that women possess are not gifts that men possess, right? It's just not the way God made it. We need the gifts of a man, absolutely, right? We need uh, protectors and organizers and leaders and black and white thinkers and, right? We need that in this world. We need heart. We need soul. We need nurture. We need uh, receptivity, sensitivity, right? We gen that generosity and maternity, we need that as well. We need both. This is not an either or. This is a both end. And if we as women don't finally tell the world to zip it, right? And we don't accept and embrace who we actually are, then we're the ones really to blame because we're just sitting back and letting the world tell us we're not important. We don't need you. We just need, we just need the men to take over. So the first thing we can do to wrap this up, we need to go to our lady. She is the perfect example. She is the perfect masterpiece of God. As we know, we need her motherly care. We need her motherly intercession to help us finally have the courage to embrace our feminine genius. God wants us to love, to nurture and protect our babies and our children against this world. That's a whole other talk, right? As women, we have a responsibility to nurture and protect our kids from this world, right? God wants us to turn to him daily for the grace to be good women, to be good mothers to the world. God wants us to pray for patience, kindness, compassion. He wants us to pray and reflect and discern his will for our children and our families and our communities. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do in this world? In this my little corner of the world, what can I do to bring my feminine genius that I have from you into life? What can I do with it? Show me the way. We need to also pray for our husbands. We need to pray for our husbands so that we can love them as we ought to, and so that our marriages can be strong in the face of this cultural storm that we're in, right? Pray for your husbands because their role in this is just as important as ours, right? So that together, male and female, we become one. And when we do that, we mirror the life of the Trinity, which is 
a life, a communion of love, right? So mirroring the life of the Trinity, because we were created in the image of God, is when a man and a woman becomes one, we can now finally live in that love of perfect communion, perfect uh, self-giving, um, selflessness, and generosity. And so we really truly need our marriages to be on fire as well. That's another talk. Uh, <laughs> so we have to pray for our husbands. And ladies, how do we get the grace to do all this? Because I've just given you a long list of things that you have to do now, um, but we're going to do it through God's grace alone. And in particular, we get the graces through the sacraments. And that's how God made it, right? We can receive grace by saying, Lord, give me the grace, and he can give us the grace. Or we can go and use the toolbox of graces that he gave us, um, particularly the sacraments of reconciliation, the sacrament of Eucharist, receive it as often as you can, because I think more than ever, the assault on our femininity is, is truly um, of large proportion. It's, it's, it's devastating. It's, it's breaking down families. It's breaking down uh, people and souls. And so turning to the sacraments for that strength um, to truly live out our vocation as women, that is going to be the answer through the intercession of Mary. The grace is available to us. We simply need to receive. Finally, we need to learn to ask for help. We need to learn to ask for support. Um, we need to surround ourselves with like-minded individuals. We need to come to midday moms to hear other people encourage us in our faith. Um, what more? Exercise, get out there, take care of yourself, right? Brush your hair. It sounds so silly, but when you um, take care of yourself, your body and your family and your home and all those things, it brings new life to you. And then you finally can go, you know what? I actually am true, and true and beautiful and good. Like God made me, there is something wonderful that I can offer the world. So take care of yourselves. Um, that feminine softness that we have, that feminine beauty is so desperately needed in this world. Ladies, your feminine softness and beauty is so needed in this world. Please, I implore you, take a moment to bring this to prayer, reflect on this, and ask God, what can you do? What can you do to fan that flame? What can you do to bring those characteristics that God gave you, an individual as you are, because they're not going to look like me or anyone else's, but that you were created with those beautiful gifts, So, asking the Lord, to show them to you and giving you the courage to live that out because God wants us to mother the world. And it starts right here with us in prayer with God. May God bless you. <laughs> You're on mute, Dorothy. <laughs> okay, I am just completely overwhelmed with uh, gratitude. What a remarkable and uh, beautiful, beautiful talk. You know, there are so many things that um, resonate with me. And, you know, most of you know that I've spent a tremendous amount of time in the corporate world. And, uh, you know, there, there is a way to bring your feminine genius to work as well, right? Like sometimes, you know, it's the simple act of, you know, bringing flowers to a coworker. I remember when my daughter Monica recently started to work with a startup organization, bunch of engineers, and she went into their office 
And she's like, they need a woman in here. <laughs> like they're just boxes. <laughs> and so it is possible. Uh, yes, Anita, to bring your feminine genius into work. Do you, do you Absolutely, 100%. Uh, any sort of further thoughts on that? <laughs> Well, I would say almost the same type of story. My husband uh, is a VP, he's an engineer. So he got this, his office and he brought me in one of the first times to see his new office with a bright window. And I just about died. It was just gray on gray with a little bit of black. And I said, we're going to get you a plant and we're going to get you some pictures. And absolutely, you know, it sounds so trivial, but those really do make a difference. And you can tell when there is a woman in a workplace um it absolutely shows and it doesn't have to be flowers it could be just um it could just be that presence of of warmth even you can definitely and sensitivity and, and and all those those beautiful beautiful things um i'm gonna check we've had quite a few comments and questions sure. mm -hmm. i'm gonna check what's there um but but you've hit on what i've been calling a bit of a national emergency you know, that our culture is forcing women to crush their natural instincts, right? Yeah. And, and mm -hmm. so that our homes aren't homes anymore, they're train stations. Um, I always say like, you know, you're in trouble when you don't have time to visit someone sick in the hospital. You know you're in trouble when you don't have time to send a thank you card. You know you're in trouble when, you know, I remember once being at a baseball diamond, my son was playing baseball and, you know, a woman and her husband were talking that they didn't have time to visit their mm -hmm. um, mom in a nursing home. And I'm like, those are all feminine, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so because of how busy we've become, um, it's, it, it's, it's just crazy. And I think that I know that COVID is a tragedy and I, I know that many are suffering the ravages of the pandemic, but I think what's making it doubly and triply difficult for women is, you know, maybe women that were you know, spending eight hours out of the home are now hidden in the home. And it's like, oh my gosh, who am I? What am I? And, you know, and of course, all of those pressures of having to, you know, be working and the children and, and just facing all of these, you know, different things. Um, anyway, I, I really wanted to thank you publicly for your talk. It was incredible. Uh, I'm just going to go to some of these Q&As, but please don't deny your feminine genius. And if you're not listening to that gut and that intuition, I always say, you know, you don't want to have deathbed moments that you've regretted not listening to what's on your heart. Um, so well, maybe while you're looking at the q and I'll just say something on that point as well. Um, I know that I've felt torn by the culture's uh, opinion of what my motherhood should look like too. So not just that I'm a mom or that I'm home or what I've chosen, but what it has to look like. Uh, so, you know, going on Pinterest, for example, for birthday party ideas, talk about a way to make you feel awful about yourself, right? Or what, you know, what you should look like or what your home should look like. Like those are things that are very, it seem um, trivial, but those are really causing moms a lot of stress. I have a lot of friends who feel this pressure to just be a certain type of mom. And then again, Instagram makes that even worse when people are posting pictures of their homes in perfect shape. And it's like, no, 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 no one's perfect, right? Why do we think that 
we have to be perfect like those pictures. Um, so that added pressure of being something. And then as you say, Dorothy, takes us away from what we're actually supposed to be doing as women, like visiting a sick person or spending time with a child that needs a little extra attention. Um, I don't think, like you say, we're ever going to regret spending too much time sitting with our child and, and talking about their needs and their feelings. Uh, no one will ever say I spent too much time with my child, uh, but some of us might say we spent too much time on really stupid things <laughs> that are not important. <laughs> Myself included. Yeah, so, uh, you know, every single comment uh, here in the Q&A is, you know, congratulating you, thank you. Um, <laughs> what a beautiful talk. Uh, I just hear, I enjoy these weekly sessions. Um, the Holy Spirit has anointed you, very precious. Uh, you know, the, the, the accolades are very, very remarkable. Uh, one, one mom is commenting that her mom was, you know, a bit of a tomboy, so it makes it hard. Um, thank you, Anita. Beautiful talk on motherhood and womanhood. Um, Amy Quinlis, yes, so many people have asked me why I, I even got a degree, you know, so on and so forth. Um, yes, let us mother the world. The, the comments here are endless, you know, Vesna, hello, thanks for joining us again. Um, you know, you, you, you mentioned that, you know, this might be a talk and this might be another talk. And of course, we'd love to have you back. <laughs> I'd be happy to be back. Uh, because, uh, you know, you, you, you truly are a gift. Um, I, I want to thank each and every one of you that has joined us today. Um, you know, please send us an email about how you like our, our, our new format. Uh, sometimes I get a little carried away. So having this new format also helped me. I really enjoyed it and helped me focus. Uh, we'll probably be using um, different formats. If you want to get in touch with Anita for any reason, to send her a personal thank you, send it to me and I'll forward it on to her. And what can I say? The only thing I can say is don't ignore the promptings in your heart and recognize that, you know, the work that you have influences who you become and the people you associate with influence, you know, who you become. So, uh, you know, I know that in certain jobs, I thought, uh oh, this is fostering, you know, a little bit of negativity in me and, uh, and then, you know, when I hang out with Anita, I'm like, oh my goodness, I've got to become softer, gentler. <laughs> um, but, but the other thought I wanted to leave you with, not too long ago, I watched the movie Mary of Nazareth. And what struck me about her home in that movie was that she had very, very little stuff, like nothing like me. Right? <laughs> and, uh, and in watching that movie and seeing how little she had, it kind of convicted me in a particular way, right? And so, yes, you know, beautifying your home, yes, it's important, um, but really the spirit of the home and the spirit of your love and, you know, being obedient to the church's teachings and kids feeling um, that their personhood is more important than, you know, Crystal, like, or 
anyway, because you know, sometimes our kids might break a piece of crystal and we scream and we forget, wait a minute, you know, the, the child is more important. So anyway, there's a lot here. Um, Anita, your, your talk was beautiful. Um, thank you each and every one of us, every, every one of us. <laughs> Thank you for each and one of you for joining us. Um, I, I am going to ask you to pray for Anita. You know, if you enjoyed the talk today, pray a rosary for her, right? Pray a rosary that she has continued strength, that she has continued grace, that she has continued fortitude, and that she, you know, gives more reflections and um, pray for her, pray for her family if you enjoyed this talk. And pray for me, you know, I've got um, an interview coming up with EWTN and I'm <laughs> scared. Um, anyway, so Anita, any closing thoughts before we sign off? Uh, no, actually, Dorothy, you've, you've said a lot just to kind of bring, because I wondered how co cohesive or coherent um, the talk was. So I, I hope that you were able to take something away today, all of you. And um, as Dorothy said, um, you know, be open and, and just pray for God to really move in your heart to, to help some of this just kind of bring through it, come to fruition in your life. So uh, I don't have like a website or anything like that. I do have an email address. So if, if you want to email me a question or um, a follow up, you're, you're welcome to. Uh, my email address is Anita S. Healy. So A-N-I-T-A-S as in Sophie Healy, H-E-A-L-Y at gmail.com. So if there's ever a question or, or something that comes up that you wanted to talk about, then please feel free to email me there. And thank you, Dorothy, for having me. I would be happy to come back again. So let's uh, think about a topic and I'll be back. We'll make it happen. I also want to encourage you, if you enjoyed today's talk, I would highly encourage that you invest in, it's available on Amazon, a book called The Privilege of Being a Woman um, by uh, Dr. Alice Von Hildebrand. It was in hearing her talk at a conference at um, the Franciscan University of Steubenville, the Defending the Faith Conference. When I heard her talk based on this book, it was, I, I almost felt electrocuted. I was like sitting on the edge of my seat. And uh, I can honestly say uh, it, we are here today because of Dr. Alice von Hildebrandt, this book and this talk and Kimberly Hans. I thought if there are women like that in Ohio, there's gotta be a few of them in Toronto and I'm gonna find them. <laughs> and now you've become one of them. I need to uh, so, uh, um, so please do. Uh, it's a very powerful book. And, uh, and anyway, I, I could go on and on. But thank you for joining us. And uh, some of you have gotten used to me singing. I'm so glad we had this time together. Just to have a laugh and pray a prayer. Seems we just get started. And before you know it, comes a time we have to say so long. Bye, please do email us, email Anita. We love hearing from you. And we hope that someone feels inspired to start their own Catholic moms group. We have a ton of resources. Then you can invite Anita to speak at it. Anyway, thank you. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. God bless. And uh, I love you all. And please pray for Anita. And please pray for us. Okay, bye-bye.